Worldwide, cardiovascular disease affects the lives of hundreds of millions. Dedicated cardio nerds everywhere are working hard to fight this global epidemic. These are their stories. The world is becoming smaller in the COVID era. The spread of knowledge and information is more fluid than ever. We are so grateful for all of the men and women working hard throughout the world to share their experience so that we may as a society stand united against this pandemic. From among the nations most heavily affected, we have benefited from the webinars and articles from China and the news stories and podcasts from Italy. But we cardio nerds knew there was valuable information to be learned from our colleagues in Iran. Iran is the sixth most affected country with over 21,000 COVID-19 cases today and over 1,600 deaths. With this episode, the Cardio Nerds podcast is proud to bring you a unique perspective from the heart of Iran, from a critical care doctor at a large academic hospital in the capital city of Tehran. We share with you the Iranian experience with COVID-19, a firsthand report from Dr. Reza Hashemian covering the clinical, the societal, and the personal. Among the topics we discuss is the use of non-invasive positive pressure ventilation versus intubation strategies on patients with COVID. Please tune in to episode 19, COVID in the ICU, with Drs. Forfaro and Drs. Brusca for a nuanced discussion on the topic. This episode was recorded on March 21st, 2020. Remember that knowledge in the COVID-19 era is rapidly evolving, so it's important to stay up to date with professional organizations like the WHO and the CDC, as well as your government officials. Friends, also remember, this podcast is not meant to be used for medical advice. The views expressed here do not necessarily reflect the opinions or policies of our employers. The goal is simply to enjoy learning more about cardiology in the COVID era directly from expert cardio nerds. And this is really just such a special episode, and it makes our hearts flutter to help connect people from different parts of the world. This particular episode is made possible by some key individuals. We would like to thank these friends for helping us frame our interview within the context of the beautiful Persian culture. Dr. Seper Rajai, pain specialist, and Dr. Roya Mahmoudi, pediatric dentist, both in California. Dr. Sama Nimatolehi, infectious disease fellow at the Johns Hopkins Hospital. Dr. Reza Zanozi nephrology attending at MGH, and of course, Dr. Reza Manesh and Dr. Arsalan Darakshan from the Clinical Problem Solvers team. And a very special thanks to Dr. Farhad Safari, anesthesiologist in Tehran, for introducing us to our expert star guest for this episode, Dr. Reza Hashemian. Welcome back, Cardio Nerds. We are here with Dr. Hashemian from Tehran, Iran. Uh, we're very excited to learn from his experience. Before we get started, Dr. Reza Hashemian, we would like to say on behalf of us, Cardio Nerds, your friends and colleagues, your fellow healthcare brothers and sisters, Adey Shoma Mubarak, Happy Persian <laughs> New Year, which just passed on March 20th, 2020. We wish we were celebrating with you under different circumstances, but here amid the COVID-19 era, we can only imagine how busy you must be working so hard to serve your patients in the busy ICU in Iran, one of the hardest hit nations of the COVID-19 pandemic. So really, thank you so much for giving us your time, and we really, really appreciate it. It means so much to us. 
Thank you. Thank you, sir. Appreciate for giving us about the, the message for the celebrating of our no rules. And uh, I am Dr. Hashemian. I'm an intensivist, a critical care medicine fellowship. I, I have a fellowship from my country and it, or I have a fellowship of ACCM from the Society of Critical Care Medicine in the United States too. Oh, wow. I think, yeah, I know everything about everything you are doing in the, in the ICU or in your hospitals. Nowadays, I spoke with my lots of my friends in the United States and I, we are doing something like United States, something really like Chinese about COVID-19 and many things based on our hospitals and our customs. Thank you. Um, can you tell us what city and hospital you're practicing in now and what's the data affecting patients in your area? Okay, I'm doing my job in the biggest referral center of lung uh, and heart transplant in uh, my country. The name is Masih Daneshwari Hospital. This is a, a WHO-based hospital for tuberculosis and lung disease. Uh, this is the referral center for COVID-19 nowadays because in the first day of uh, visiting a patient here in COVID-19, when we get kids for COVID-19, we change this hospital to a referral COVID center in Iran. And nowadays, this is the famous hospital in Iran that we are doing here treatments for COVID-19 in Iran. Dr. Hashemian, I'd like to ask you a little bit about the public health response, especially with regards to social distancing in the community. And I'll preface this by letting our listeners know that Nowruz is the Persian New Year. We just passed this Friday on March 20th of 2020. And there are some traditions that I've learned from my friends that are a very much a part of the celebration. One tradition is traveling to northern Iran to celebrate uh, the Caspian Sea. And the other is a tradition called, and I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Dido Bashdid, which is the tradition of visiting and revisiting relatives and a tradition where young people will visit their elders and invite them back to their homes. So uh, Dr. Hashemian, uh, correct me if I said any of this wrong, but also how has COVID-19 affected these activities and are people making the decision to stay home or are they still celebrating outside uh, as before? Uh, thank you for speaking uh, uh, in Persian <laughs> languages. The Nowruz is an ancient table of our peoples in Iran. And um, this is a very good traditional because... Uh, we like this. We are waiting uh, all of the times for the Nowruz. In the Nowruz, is in the in the spring. All of the people like to visit other families, uh, friends in this uh, time. And nowadays they are very unhappy. Uh, nowadays we have a problem, you know, about the COVID nineteen, and uh, we are very unhappy to see this COVID nineteen nowadays in the Nowruz time. And lots of people are remaining at their home due yes. to. The TV announcements and the government announcement and uh, lots of people, maybe at least 30 percent or 40 percent are in the traveling to their uh, to the other cities or uh, to the north of Iran, the Caspian Sea. Unfortunately, because the quarantine is not mandatory here in Iran and uh, the government didn't uh, push the, all of the people in their house houses. And, uh, this is um, not very good points for us because we are waiting for the next uh, widespread infection problem in our country, unfortunately. Then uh, this is a big disaster we are thinking about the next weeks. You mm -hmm. know, our ICU beds are efficient nowadays for our peoples here. 
but in uh, we don't know about the next weeks for yes, the mm. for the second period of widespread infection here. Then uh, people that remain in their houses, they are in the, for example, in the Instagram and uh, asking other people, please, please don't going outside of your house. They are frightened from extending the time of this disease, you know. And mm -hmm. the house and uh, physicians and nurses, they are frightened from extending this period too. Then we have uh, good people to remain at their home and unfortunately... Uh, other peoples are in the markets or in the trips nowadays. Mm. It must be impacting routine Persian life. Like you said, people going to the markets and being able to buy other essentials. Yes. Uh, you know, the big market nowadays is closed here in Iraq due to, mm. due to no rules and due to this uh, big problem. But, you know, uh, For example, lots of people like to going to other homes or other, for example, the small small market. Or, then the traveling is remaining nowadays in Iran, unfortunately. I see. Is it? Mm. We have yeah. the traffic jam. We had the traffic jams two days ago in many roads, unfortunately, in Iran again. Oh, boy. We have traffic jams. Yes. And Dr. Hashemi and I... I'd like to turn our discussion to a very, I think, key issue. While international policy and economic sanctions are outside the scope of this podcast, we, we want to ask you if the sanctions uh, imposed on Iran are affecting your country's ability to respond to this crisis and, and your ability, frankly, to just take care of your patients. And if so, um, how, how are they impacting these issues? Yes, uh, we have two type problems in Iran. One is COVID-19, and another is uh, the sanctions. As U.S. government uh, told that we have not any sanctions for uh, food and for uh, drugs for Iran, unfortunately, we have no, not any uh, money trans transaction between Iran and other countries. Whenever you have uh, not any chance for sending the money or getting the money from other sides of the world, then the sanction will be remain here for the food And for uh, the equipments, medical equipments, and for the uh, pharmaceuticals, then this is a big problem. Now, uh, lots of countries they like to helping us to sending us the pharmaceuticals, and uh, we are speaking with those peoples or that governments with our ministry and asking them to sending us the pharmaceuticals. Mm. So we've been hearing a lot of reports all over the world, and as, as the COVID virus even gets closer to home, of a lot of healthcare workers getting um, infected. And we we're just wondering, what has your experience been in Iran? Have you, have you had any close friends or other healthcare workers that you work with or colleagues become affected by the virus? Oh, about uh, healthcare workers. We have a big problem here with the healthcare workers nowadays. The one is uh, related to the kids, because... Uh, the first presentation of the COVID-19 in uh, it was in home uh, in a city next uh, near to uh, Tehran. Uh, the the first presentation it was with the mortality and uh, the big mortalities. Oh, wow. And after checking uh, with the new kids they they bring from the China, uh, they understand that uh, this is the COVID-19. And we notice the COVID-19 when we getting the kids and checking this, the, one of our patients that he referred here for a 
management of the uh, ARDS here. And we thought that maybe uh, this patient is uh, undergoing H1N1. And uh, when we checking the new kit, we understand that this patient is undergoing the COVID-19. And uh, this was a big problem. Why? Because lots of healthcare workers what was affected with this COVID-19. And because we, we didn't thinking about the COVID-19 in our country. And the exposure of these teams was very huge. And we had uh, at least uh, 15 uh, physicians that they died. Oh, my now, gosh. Oh, I'm so oh, sorry. Yes. Uh, yeah. Wait, you said physicians that they died here. And at oh. least 10 nurse, nurses that they died from oh, uh, this. I'm so sorry. They, they are working in the, for the duties for the people. And, they, uh, and this is a very, very uh, bad news for our people and for yeah. us. And uh, I tell you about another things. Lots of uh, those are affected nowadays and uh, they are in their home and they are in uh, quarantines. And uh, we have lots of uh, nurses affected nowadays with uh, the COVID-19 and we lost uh, a lot, uh, lots of them and they are not in, in their duty nowadays. And I don't know about the future. Because maybe if the, the epidemic is larger, more, more larger than uh, now, we may be lost uh, amounts of uh, healthcare worker nowadays. You know, thinking about the future, you know, I, I, I tell you something. Uh, I, for example, we missed uh, three physicians in uh, our hospitals, and uh, that that day, I, all of the uh, my staffs was crying in the ICU oh gosh. and it is not very suitable things and it's a very big disaster unfortunately. So sorry to hear that Dr. Hashemian, so, this is yes, uh, very yes, sobering. Sure. Uh, Dr. Hashemian, you said that one of the biggest issues in the beginning mm -hmm. was the the first few patients that came in that exposed healthcare workers, you did not know that they were infected because you did not know about COVID. Yes, yes. Now that you know about COVID, yes. is it easier to protect your colleagues and other healthcare workers? I, I, I asking you about which type of protection? You mean the clothes? You, you see about the test? Both. Both. Okay. Uh, this is not a routine things for the checking the healthcare workers, but uh, whenever each uh, physician or nurses likes to knowing about uh, them, they will be checked. Nowadays, we have more kids from all of the sites from the world. And uh, we have, uh, I hear that Iran uh, nowadays have a technology to producing the kits, but I didn't check it. And uh, they sent lots of uh, the, the companies uh, bring it, the, the kits uh, for us. Uh, for example, I check uh, myself three times and uh, lots of my friends uh, check themselves. But it's not routine to checking that healthcare workers checking uh, themselves routinely. And about the protection, uh, this hospital uh, is based on their uh, routine standards. Uh, the protection is very magnificent here. If you're checking our clothes in the, our hospitals, you notice that we are a standard. And when uh, WHO came here to see the levels of care here, they understand that we have good clothes and good wearing and good protections here. We have not any problem. But I know that uh, in the first days, in all of our countries, the, the physicians, nursing, nursing, they have not very good protected against the COVID-19. And we're asking other hospitals or cities that please, please providing the good protection for yourselves. 
And I think the big problem for that uh, physicians and nursing at the first time that it was that the kids not available here, and the the second one is the uh, is that the protection was not efficient for them. How are you protecting trainees like fellows and residents and students? We have uh, good clothes. We spoke about lot, lots of companies to bringing us the protections. And all of the fellows, all of the residents here, they are protected. Uh, I tell you something. In the first days of starting our work here in the COVID center here, chancellor of the university came here and, and told us the medical students they have to remain at their home and mm. uh, because we are in, uh, working in a university hospital, you know, and uh, we have not any medical students nowadays in, the, in our hospital. Then we have residents and flows here and they protected very good. They have efficient masks, they have good protections, but it's related to our hospitals. Maybe in other hospitals they have problems. Right. But, but I know that they are better than before. Because they saw our um, clothes and asking us uh, to reveal for them about the details and asking the companies to bring those um, from the government. And government really sending their clothes very nice for, for those. And uh, lots of charities in Iran available nowadays. That's incredible. And the people are sending the clothes and the masks and other things for us. Yeah, Dr. Hashemian, um, it's a difficult time, but seeing how people and communities come together at a time like this is at least a silver lining. And we applaud your efforts to protect your learners. How do you limit uh, the spread of infection from one patient to another patient that are in the hospital? You know, in our ICUs, uh, we have negative pressures. And negative pressure, you know, is very efficient for us because we had an uh, influenza center here or tuberculosis center, and we had uh, negative pressure in our ICU, and the negative uh, pressure is very uh, standard for this type of infections spreading. And uh, about the wards, because the wards are separated with uh, with the walls, and uh, for example, two or three or one patients are in the room separately. We I don't see. doing more. We don't doing more, and I don't know about the details of separating. Uh, better than this. Maybe it's available. I don't know. But uh, we have not any options here. Uh, yes. If there is uh, separate rooms for each patient, it's very good. But uh, we have not this type of rooms here. For example, we have only uh, 10% one rooms, maybe 30% two room, uh, one rooms for two patients. And uh, this is a big problem we have in Iran for the separations of the patients. But uh, we, at this moment, uh, when we checking the PCR of the patients and when they are negative, they sending these patients to to the COVID uh, negative site. And then after this uh, uh, examination, we send the patients to their home. I see. I'm so sorry again that uh, your colleagues have passed away from COVID. How are you preparing emotionally and personally to face each day and go to work? And this is very horrible for us. Uh, I, I, I tell you, fortunately, we didn't miss uh, the physicians in uh, my hospital. This is a referral center and a well-known center. And um, lots of physicians came here for the treatment and uh, for the and treatment. They are uh, not from uh, our sites. Now, two physicians of our um, hospital are infected and they are treated very good, fortunately. But when we lost uh, the physicians, uh, uh, we are very uh, unhappy and uh, 
uh, it's not very good moments for us. But uh, in the verses of uh, that moments, we have lots of physicians and uh, nursing that they came here and they uh, were treated. They had many of those have uh, big ARDS, for example, and yes. they, two of those physicians are very uh, famous physicians, and we are happy to treat those physicians, and they came back to their host, fortunately. Wow, that's great. And uh, I, I tell you, for example, two or three of those were couple, and uh, mm. the, they are treated together uh, in, uh, this, in, in our hospital. It was very fantastic for us to send them to their home. Mm. Oh, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. That's really nice. Mm-hmm. This must be putting a lot of extra work on your hospital and the workers in your hospital. How are you dealing with the extra patients and the amount of work that COVID is creating? Uh, nowadays, in uh, in the first days or weeks, we have problem with the high load of the people. And uh, now it is better than before because uh, lots of hospitals, university hospitals, military hospitals, and other faci- facilities, they are uh, working for the COVID-19 nowadays. The private hospitals in Iran, they are um, not included for the COVID-19. In uh, m- Maybe more than 90% of uh, those hospitals are not, not working for the COVID-19, fortunately, at this moment. Then the occupied beds are from the university and military or governmental hospitals. And I think uh, based on the Critical Care Medicine uh, Journal publication in last month, the ICU beds in Iran, these are better than the China, you know, these are the better than the China. And in, uh, we have not any problem nowadays about the beds. But I, I told you about uh, maybe after the no rules, uh, we uh, have the big problem for reducing the, uh, the beds. And now... In the bigger uh, hospitals, the government producing uh, lots of beds and in the stadiums, they send lots of beds. If the, the epidemic is uh, more, more widespread in that moment, maybe, uh, and uh, the occupied bed is uh, uh, going to um, be a big problem, then that uh, MP beds will be in the circle. And uh, I I pray for that. that um, I think in that moment is not very good because the healthcare worker is not efficient for that big uh, beds in Iran. You right. know? Mm. We, we, and at this moment, we have not any problem for the beds, but yeah, maybe we, we have problems in the future. I think we in America are facing a similar uh, future, and I think we're all praying together to not make that realization. Um, how has life changed outside of work for you and your family? Oh, it's not... It is very big uh, problem for me because every day I am, uh, for example, every time I'm going to the home, I am thinking about my wife and my son and girl, and mm-hmm. I don't know what am I doing because I'm changing my clothes and then going to the bathroom in my uh, home. The, lots of time I'm asking uh, uh, from my uh, wife, please travel because he, she's in Oregon. And uh, American and Iranian, and uh, I, I ask her, please, traveling to your uh, your your home in in the United States. And uh, now she uh, she telling me <laughs> the United States are affected. Don't worry about me. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're none of us are safe. I think. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. All of the globe are infected, unfortunately. But uh, this is yeah. my uh, biggest problem. You know, yeah. uh, because I am working. Uh, a very infected site 
and when uh, I'm going to the home, uh, it's very unpleasant for me. Then uh, I'm so um, unhappy. I separated my room in the house. Mm. I separated my a lot of things in my home. I didn't uh, eating uh, no things in my home by my family, and they are very uh, far from me nowadays. You know this. Mm. I yeah. didn't uh, touch my my son and girl. I didn't going uh, with those anywhere, and they are in the house. Then uh. this picture is not very good. My uh, girl uh, likes to speaking with me, but I asked <laughs> her, uh, please uh, be, in, uh, be far from here. And she told me, are you um, uh, encountered with the corona? <laughs> and I told him, no, but maybe, maybe you will be in the, in the problem, uh, my girl. Then this is a big disaster in the house too for the healthcare workers, unfortunately. Yes, I have to reflect on what you're saying because my co-fellows and I know Dan's co-fellows and Heather's co-residents, we're all having the same conversation about what we do when we come home. What do I do when, you know, I come home to my wife and my two-year-old son and, you know, whether we're in America or Italy, Iran, China, anywhere really, it's just uh, your comments make me realize that the the basic essence of human condition, emotions, love for one another are really all the same. Yes, you know, I like to remain, for example, in the in the hospital, not going to the home because uh, my my daily problem is when I am in the home, I, I have to remain in my uh, room and uh, don't touching my uh, my family. Uh, this is my big problem that uh, I hear, for example, my wife is in the COVID positive and everything uh, related to him is from me, you know, uh, because she is in the home and if, if uh, she encounter with the COVID, then the problem may be uh, started from uh, my contamination. This is correct or not? Yeah, I understand. I yes. was I was supposed to see my mother last week and I similarly decided not to because I didn't want to put her at risk. Mm -hmm. Yes, and, and, and other things. For example, more than 10 days that I, I didn't go to my mother's home, you know, and when I like to see him, then I uh, call him with this WhatsApp and see him in the, in the phone because she's uh, in the aging time and I don't like to affect her uh, with uh, my contamination. You know this? Maybe I have a problem uh, sending the virus to her. And in, in aging time, this is a big disaster for my mom too. Yes. Yeah. This is really special for us. We heard a lot about what's happening in China and we talked to some Italian physicians as well, but we really appreciate hearing about your experience in Iran specifically. And overall, what has your clinical experience been dealing with COVID? The clinical presentations, they are coming to uh, the hospital from the uh, emergency room, fever, myalgia and cough. And these are very common in the clinics or in the emergency room. And the physicians are uh, visiting uh, them and sending the, uh, more than 80% of those to the, to the home uh, with the pharmaceuticals, for example, chloroquine and the previously oseltamivir. And uh, now the oseltamivir is uh, forbidden and uh, this, is the, this is not uh, prescribed nowadays. And the vitamins, for example, uh, vitamin D many times and naproxen as uh, paracetamol at that moment. And if they have uh, dyspnea, maybe because we have CT scan in uh, our institute, 
then they followed by the CT scan. And then uh, when they have uh, problems in the CT scan and they, uh, they have with the disc node, they admitted in the uh, emergency ward and then going to the next uh, level in the ward. And uh, if they have mild ARDS, mild to moderate ARDS and more uh, problems with their breathing, they sent to the critical care units. And uh, in, the in the first uh, day, I started non-invasive ventilation in, in our institute. And uh, we have started in a non-invasive ventilation uh, very good. And I asked the Philips company to bring in us uh, more uh, machines. Mm -hmm. And I saw uh, in the WHO after uh, one week that non-invasive is not very uh, nice for the patients due to transmission of uh, virus in the area. But actually, I'm doing that, the non-invasive ventilation before the intubation. And I know in the United States, you intubate the patient at the early time. And uh, when I have experience from the H1N1, when the uh, intubated patient, the ventilator in this lung injury was higher than before. And uh, the mortality rate uh, was very bigger. At this moment, I went, uh, when I checking other institutes that they in inserting the tubes for them, the mortality is bigger than that site because uh, in all of the, the hospitals they are practicing in Iran, they have not, for example, ECMO and VI ECMO center in Iran too. We have four ECMO machines and the machines are working every day. But, you know, uh, the mortality in other centers are very high due to lack of the ECMO and good ventilators there. We mm. have good machines, good, good ventilators, good uh, non-invasive ventilation. In my practice that uh, I, I started and... Uh, I like to publish my data about the non-invasive ventilation in these times. Uh, that the using of non-invasive ventilation, they postpone, we postpone the intubation, and lots of those uh, now are um, free of ventilation, fortunately, and they didn't uh, go into the invasive mechanical ventilation or the ECMO. Uh, then uh, the acute lung injury, or AR, excuse me, the ARDS, that we are seeing uh, every day. This is very uh, unpleasure for us because all of the patients are uh, coming to the ICU. The most patients are the ARDS. The next step maybe are due to motor organ failures, but the amount of the ARDS is more than other situations. Is it, uh, is it everything you like to know or? Oh yeah, I have a follow-up question, but that was uh, really a lot of uh, excellent information. One thing is, um, so I know that the patients may be doing better from the non-invasive ventilation, but there, I've noticed that there's been concern about aerosolizing the virus when you're not intubated and making it more of a, a contagious thing for the healthcare workers. Have you noticed that, or is that also something that you haven't really seen in your experience with non-invasive ventilation? Uh, and I have to think about the patient's safety for the patients. I know that when we intubate the patient, we have uh, we introducing the for example the secondary infection for those uh, we introducing the VAP for those and we the the auto saturation of the, the intubation in many of those may be diminished for example when the saturation is seventy percent after the intubation the uh, it was diminished and made I I know that lot of lot of those was in CPR events and they died after the intubation you know this I know that. Mm. All of the all of the physicians knows may uh, because the intubation is not a very uh, low risk situation. Right, in this patient, right, right. You know, right. And right. it's better to increasing the saturation. And if the the patients not tolerate the non invasive ventilation, then you have a good time 
for the intubation of these type of patients. But the most problem that WHO speaking about that is the virus spreading. And I asking you about the virus uh, infection in the invasive mechanical ventilation, because when the nursing are uh, suctioning the patient, for example, or the intubating the patients, the virus may be widespread, may be widespread at this moment. Okay. Great point. No, that's great. Um, you mentioned that you're using ECMO in your center, and uh, we were just wondering: Are you using more VV ECMO or VA ECMO? Uh, okay. Nowadays, uh, we have uh, both ECMOs. We're doing VV ECMO and uh, many times VA ECMO for our patients. The most problem in Iran we have is the sanction because we have not big kennels for the morbid obese, unfortunately, in Iranian mm. because cannula size between the 29 and 31 French is available in the, for example, the getting a, a company and the getting a company is not working here in Iran. And uh, we have another company in Iran that they have uh, only the 25 and, uh, to 23 French size. And you know that this cannula is uh, not uh, providing more than 40 liters per, per minute uh, vacuum. And uh, if uh, we insert in the negative pressure for those, it's uh, remaining until, uh, until four, uh, five liters. And this is uh, producing the hemolysis. And we had uh, lots of hemolysis and increasing the bilirubin in uh, at least three of those patients. Uh, then this is the problem of the sanction for us because uh, this is uh, producing the malpractice for us in, in this type of patients, you know. Okay, and uh, we're doing both VVHMO and VAHMO for, uh, for the patients. It depends on their situations. And we're doing hemoperfusion too. Chinese did, did hemoperfusion and we have good uh, hemoperfusion in our patients. And after uh, hemoperfusion for or, uh, at least uh, four people, the saturation was increasing very nice. And I, maybe, maybe I uh, report these patients and send it to a journal because we have good experience with the hemoperfusion too. Uh, we, we did uh, Cytosorb and other things uh, working in uh, China and Iran is the, the name is the nearest company, Jeffro. And uh, we're doing the uh, cytokine removal for our patient with the ECMO or with the CRRT. And about acute kidney injury, if you like, are you speaking about that? Or are we doing a CRRT and ECMO together and inserting the cytokine removal in the ECMO and in the CRRT uh, in it, in, uh, at once? It's great to hear you, your, your approach in these patients because, uh, you know, we're, we'll be handling these ourselves very soon. We spoke a lot about the ARDS, but are you seeing injury of other organs like uh, cardiac manifestations or renal manifestations? Okay, about uh, checking out the, biomar the biomarkers, the cardiac biomarkers, uh, these are uh, not uh, routine check, uh, else the EKG or uh, any patients that uh, undergoing the hemodynamic states problem in the ICU look like the uh, septic shock. We have to check in lots of things. For example, the, we checking the pro-BMP and tropinin at this moment. But about the myocarditis, we didn't see our, our cardiologists in our ICUs. They didn't see the, the frankly, myocarditis. I, we don't know why. Uh, because the Chinese statistics, at least 7 to 9%, and uh, those maybe those are related to the rising the enzymes. But lots of the cardiologists from the other uh, centers, they saw the non-ST elevations MI, and maybe they are due to the coincidental of the, the, their disease and the, uh, the, the coronavirus. We don't know. 
maybe uh, the MI or uh, ACS um, are producing that. For example, in our institute, we, the, the cardiology students getting the MI or ACS previously because uh, our ICU is referral for pulmonary hypertension and the right heart, uh, we are heart, right heart center. Um, about the echocardiography, we have good machines here, but uh, uh, when I asking about my friends, and the cardiac, uh, uh, cardiac department, um, maybe the, only they see only cardiomegaloid in the chest X-ray and after that uh, they checking the echocardiogram, but it's not uh, routine really for uh, our decision to, to starting uh, echocardiography to, for those. But uh, the big question I have is many times we have good saturation in these patients and they're going to die, for, with the, for example, bradycardia. And this bradycardia, maybe due to chloroquine uh, or maybe uh, to calitra, we don't know about that. And we, when we starting the calitra, we didn't uh, using the hydroxychloroquine, but we don't know about the exactly uh, problem in their hearts. But another thing is about the acute kidney injury, about the kidney problem in Iran. Uh, because I spoke with uh, my friends in the New York City, in the Cornell University, they have uh, more echoid than us. Uh, we are very uh, good machines for the CRRT here, and we're doing CRRT routinely in our patient. And the amount of CRRT in our center is not very uh, higher than before. And fortunately, we have not m- many uh, ACOI than before, but I know that in the United States, the ACOI is more than before in, in the state. Is this due to uh, the problem you have in using the mechanical ventilation more than us? Maybe because you know when you are in the mechanical, the patient is on about the kidney problem, we have in the multi-organ failure. And for example, we have two echoi in the ECMO time. And at that moment, we have we have started the CRT for those patients. The multi-organ failure are uh, related to comorbidity disease or or, or that situation. But if I thinking that COVID-19 is uh, targeting the kidney, I don't uh, believe in it. I think that uh, the COVID uh, likes to go to the, uh, the pulmonary, not, uh, not the, the kidney of the people. Then we, we, uh, we are starting the CRT for multi-organ failure or in ECMO time or other these type of situations. It's not very strangely for us. And about the rhabdomyolysis, the rhabdomyolysis is uh, not very high, it's very low, and uh, the ARF uh, was in the very lower uh, stage, and then we checking the drug and, uh, and changing the uh, IV fluids for them, they go to the recovery time. Uh, but we have, uh, excuse me, three, three ECMOs that they suffered from the kidney injury. Wow, thank you. Thank you yeah. for that. And Dr. Hashimoto, just real quick clarification because you cut out for just a moment. The rhabdomyolysis you were talking, was that in the context of a medication or in the context of the viral infection itself? Maybe it's due to, maybe it's due to the disarrangement, I think, disarrangement of the pharmaceuticals, I think. I it's see. a secondary problem, not the, uh, the first problem of the patient because the hyperkalemia was uh, on that uh, patient's. And the kidney injury was um, starting, and uh, the one of those was related to the one CKD patients. And after dialysis, everything were were changed. I see. You know, we're talking about many important resources: ICU beds, uh, mechanical ventilation, ECMO machines, and perfusionists, nurses. Have you had a situation where you're running out of these resources and ha- having to decide how to use them in which patients? About uh, equipments. We are better than before because 
in the first uh, days of event of the COVID, uh, we asking the MOH to bringing us the better, the good machines for us. They accepting that, and our uh, the, the head of the hospital and the managers asking the charities to bring us uh, more uh, equipments. Then our equipments uh, are better than before. The non-invasive ventilation are better than before, and we have uh, the best ventilators. The Philips uh, from the United States, 618, and we increasing the amount of ventilators and uh, we have uh, nowadays more ICU beds here uh, because uh, before we had 30 beds nowadays we have 60 beds critical care with all of the equipments inside it and about the healthcare workers they are very good and uh, very educated persons and very uh, very very uh, good persons and uh, for the working together you know uh, these are working against the corona very well and uh, the, uh, I appreciate uh, my staffs here in the ICU or in the in the wards. They are very, very nice and they are happy to work in, together. So in your experience, I see you're a scientist and you're keeping track of your patient's data. Do you see any potential therapies or medications that will work against the virus? Okay. Uh, we have good experiences about uh, pharmaceuticals nowadays. Hydroxychloroquine is widespread in Iran because, uh, you know, the malaria, then uh, hydroxychloroquine is producing in Iran uh, from ancient time, you, you know. The chloroquine was uh, available in all of the uh, pharmaceuticals. It's very widest. And uh, it is available in Iran, okay? And it's a, a primary treatment. But uh, for, the, for the next step, we're using the caletra, and uh, ribavirin for the patients. Now, ribavirin is not working well in uh, the, our patients, and but uh, at this moment, we using, uh, fortunately, we using fabipravir. Fabipravir is a pharmaceutical that is not FDA approved, but it is a is a Japanese pharmaceutical. It's very very nice. I asking uh, the government to bring us the the uh, fabipravir, and the fabipravir will, will be available here uh, for all of our patients in this hospital in the next week and it's very nice and i using other pharmaceuticals too and we have good experience with the remdesivir uh, recently and this is uh, another things that we're using nowadays another things that uh, we are uh, doing uh, nowadays is tocilizumab it was uh, the diminishing of the il6 uh, is very good and uh, with the help of who we have these pharmaceuticals too and uh, when we getting the uh, chest X-ray before and after inserting this, the, everything will be changed in the chest X-ray. So many times we have a big trial for this. I published uh, two days ago um, uh, an article about our critical care pharmaceuticals. It was about the IVIG, and we using the IVIG in the early time of the ARDS. You know, the ARDS is uh, in the mild and moderate severe in the Berlin criteria, and in this horrible disease the mild and moderate and severe ARDS is very um, dangerous more than the, the previous ARDS we, we, we met before. And the, we're using the IVIG in the mild to moderate times, not in the moderate uh, to severe times. And we use interferon beta for many of our patients based on the protocol. And the other things we are using at this moment is uh, an amazing things. Uh, we are starting a trial with this stem cell for for our uh, at least five patients. And that was very good result for starting the stem cell for these five patients was very magnificent. And uh, the amount of intubation was reduced and they are nowadays uh, in a very good situations. It was very fantastic work we did.
clinical pharmacies are checking all of the protocols here and we have three infectious clinicians here that are working every day and checking all of the people, um, the patients here and checking the protocols. We did dexamethasone in, in the severe ARDS, then we have not any um, other um, pharmaceuticals for using that. Then uh, this is another thing we, we did and it's not uh, available in, each, uh, in any protocols. When we are using, uh, when, when we are missing our patients, and uh, what is your idea about using uh, more potent uh, pharmaceuticals? Then uh, we have uh, a protocol for dexamethasone at this uh, time, but it's not uh, using in the world, it's not using for the uh, good people, good, good situation of the people, but we um, we using for many of those based on uh, ethics approval committee decision. Uh, this is another things we are using at this moment. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. That sounds very comprehensive. And we're so excited to see some of these things pan out and really help uh, patients around the world. So thank you for your work with research. And also, um, we appreciate your patients for allowing themselves to be in your care. As America gears up as a nation, do you have any advice for the American people about how they could best prepare themselves for the virus? Uh, about the American peoples, uh, it's better to uh, remain into their home, as uh, lots of people in Iran, like, uh, they have to remain in their home the, the first time. And about um, the physicians working in the ICU or in the, in the hospitals, don't, uh, I don't know why you don't using the non-invasive ventilation. I think the patient safety is very important, I think. Well, that's because very nice to know. Thank you. Because, yeah. because we save lots of lives here with the non-invasive. You can you can checking my Instagram and see the live patients that they are on non-invasive ventilation. They didn't uh, intubate it, fortunately. And uh, because my, I spoke with my friends in the U.S. and their problems are invasive mechanical ventilation and starting the ECMO, 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 and they're starting the problems with the ECMO for those patients. Dr. Hashemi, and I, I want to thank you for that message, and I also, for our listeners who want to keep up with you and your experience, um, what is your Instagram handle so we can have everyone follow you? Okay, critical underline care underline medicine. Critical care medicine. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> we'll put it on our profile for him. Underline, underline. Underline, underline. Okay, thank We're you. following you already. We're following you on Instagram. Thank I just you. followed thank right you. now. Now, Instagram in, in Iran is a very routine media. Maybe lots of people like the Instagram more than TV. And <laughs> it's very widespread because in the early time of the corona, then uh, all of the um, reporters, they don't like to come into the corona centers. I uh, sending the people the, uh, the events that, uh, uh, that are happening in the, in the ICU and the hospital. And I report... Uh, one of the patients that uh, cured from the corona and all of the people were very excited. And the TV getting my uh, films and my video clips from my Instagram and showing in the TV report every day. And uh, many times <laughs> BBC report my Instagram uh, for, for, the, for the patients that tolerate, uh, the, for example, the treatments or cure after many days in the in the, in the, in the hospitals. Then I, the Instagram is very popular in Iran. I can only imagine that the BBC will be uh, very interested in hearing your perspective on the Cardi Nerds podcast. 
Okay. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Definitely mention it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you. Doctor. I'd like to have more uh, collaboration. And if you have any things for doing together, for example, the trials, or if you have any question or to sending us for better management of our patient in Iran, please uh, sending those for me and please be in touch with me and my friends here. We have good friends here in the all of the uh, specialties, for example, we have surgeons, we have uh, nephrologists, we have oncologists here that they don't know about the management of the COVID-19 in the previously time. And now they are working with us and they are working for the treating the people nowadays here in uh, my hospitals. And this is very fantastic that we are working together uh, in, uh, and we don't about the specialty at all here. And all of the physicians like to working against the COVID-19. Amazing. Yes, definitely. And really, the the thanks is all ours, Dr. Hashemian. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing so many amazing stories and your perspective, personal and clinical. It's very special for us to hear the Iranian perspective. It's something that we really have not heard so far. Um, and happy belated Persian New Year. Mm-hmm. Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. We we look forward to collaborating in the future and seeing you in the U.S. when this is all over. We're sending our prayers and our love that we will all come out of this together. Thank you. I like to sharing my the traditionals with you guys, and uh, uh, we like to uh, share our good times with you, American peoples and American physicians and American staffs, and appreciate you to be in touch with me and remaining. Uh, awake at this time. Thank you for sharing your experience to me and uh, sending my voice to all of the physicians around the globe. Thank you. Well, that brings us to the end of our show. So it's time to make like an S2 and split. You can follow us on Twitter at CardioNerds. Don't forget to check out the amazing illustration that Kareem prepared for y'all at www.cardionerds.com and please share what made your heart flutter this week. Send us a clip to cardionerds at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, be a nerd and spread the word. And now, a flutter moment. Hey, Cardio Nerds. My name is Dr. Edward Najat. I'm a reproductive endocrinologist and fertility specialist at Generation X Fertility in Manhattan. What makes my heart flutter is... After doing an IVF cycle, the moment that the results come back for the first pregnancy test, my heart flutters like you wouldn't believe because I know that that result is going to change the course of someone's life forever.